Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we're in our sermon series, From Resolution to Reality, From Resolution to Reality. And um, if you missed our first week, I would invite you to go back and listen to it because we talked about how Jesus came, right? John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. My favorite translation is the New Living Translation, what I preach out of most of the time, uh, that you may have a rich and satisfying life, right? And that's how Jesus came, and that's the reason Jesus came, is that we would have this full life, and he has a calling on every single one of us here. Teenagers, he has a calling on your life right here and right now. You don't step into your calling when you hit 24. You step in your calling now, and he's got something for you to do right now. Parents, he has something for you to do. Young adults, he has something for you to do. 85 years old, man, I, we talked about Caleb, who turned 85, and he said, I still have as much fight in me today at 85 years old as I did then, right? Like, you still have it in you to do great things, and I would love to preach that message again. So if you missed it, I preached it really good the first time. So Go back and listen to it. But he's got great things for every single one of us to do. It's called your calling and it's called your purpose, right? So we're saying resolution to reality. What we mean is your calling to reality, your purpose to reality. Last week we talked about patience. Boo, right? Like nobody liked patience. Um, today I want to talk to you about the little mermaid and out of control skiers. The little mermaid and out of control skiers. And growing up in church, I grew up um, in church. We were at church all the time. Right? We went to Sunday school, we went to Sunday morning church, I went to choir practice with my parents, um, and I just like roamed the halls of the church while choir practice was happening, that's when I learned to break in and eat all the kids' snacks. Um, so I had a problem with stealing, apparently, and so um, uh, we were Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, VBS, whatever there was, right? And I remember growing up, um, a lot of times we thought certain good things were actually bad things, right? And bad things were good things. And, and there was this confusing. One of the big things that I thought was a bad thing that was actually a good thing was dancing. Not dancing in the spirit like, woo, glory to God, right? Like, not that like, like dancing, like, you know, with your, with your girl. And I'm not talking like breaking it, you know, like, <laughs> like popping it, right? I don't want to do that because then I talk about lust, and that's not on the docket today. So I'm um, not talking about lock and pop dancing. I'm talking about, like, dancing with your wife. And, and it, was, it was such a, a place, such taboo, that when we were, like, getting married, you, you didn't dance with your wife because that was a sin. Like, if you, if you got married at the church, you had to go do, I'm not making this up, like, this is real. Like, some, some people are like, yes, I'm seeing heads nod. Like, if you were going to dance at your reception, you had to do it somewhere else besides the church. And everybody's like, yeah, I remember that day. Like, how dumb were we, right? Like, it's bad to dance with your wife, right? Like, I'm like, and I see maybe how it could go. Anyways, anyways. But sometimes we think good things 
are bad things as well, and bad things are good things when really it was the opposite. And one of those things that became very evident to me was a movie I grew up watching, like The the Karate Kid, right? I think we all can agree Johnny Lawrence was a punk, but so was Daniel LaRusso, right? Like Daniel LaRusso was a punk too. They both should have been beat up. But um, one of the um, more incognito villains and jerks of my time was one of my sister's favorite movies, and it is The Little Mermaid. And I'm going to present to you the worst princess of all time, this lady right here, Ariel. She is a villain. She is a brat. She's a spoiled, rotten brat. And I'm going to show you why this child is a spoiled, rotten. First off, modesty is the hottest, right? Like, like learn some modesty, Ariel, um, please. Those shells aren't covering much. So, and I had to watch this all the time because it was my older sister's favorite movie. And some of you are like, why didn't you just go watch a TV in another room? Because we weren't rich like you, right? Like, who were you? Like, where did you live? Man. Um, So, um, there was one TV with one VCR and one cable, right? Because if you had two VCRs, I mean, you were living in a mansion. Like, that's ridiculous money we're talking about. So, exhibit A of why Ariel is just a spoiled, rotten, horrible person, right? She's not a good person. Number one, she stands up her six sisters in a live concert. Now, all of you with siblings here for just a second, I want you to imagine, you have, think of all the rehearsal time it took and all the choreography it took and everybody swimming in a circle at the same time and hitting the note and a shell comes and it opens and there's no aerial, right? What a jerk. She makes her dad, she makes Sebastian, this talking lobster or crab, something like that. And all her sisters look like a bunch of chumps. Why? Because Ariel's selfish. So exhibit A. Exhibit B, she never listened to her dad. Most disobedient princess of all time. What's her dad tell her? Don't go to the surface. What does Ariel do? She's hanging out with drunken sailors the whole time, right? Oh, that's a cruise ship. Hi. And she's showing her shells to everybody. Like that's... You're like, well, at least she had Sebastian. Sebastian wasn't hanging out with her. She was hanging out with a drunken bird, like a drunken seagull was her, was her running partner, right? Exhibit C, she was a hoarder. <laughs> Nobody needs 20 thingamabobs. It's her admission. Last thing is this. All the dads of daughters, think of this. She fell in love with a guy she didn't even know his name. And she's 16 years old. Like, I'm like Forrest Gump. You don't know what love is, right? Like, I'm like, you don't know, you don't know what love is. I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is. No, you don't. Shut up. Like, I'm, and she wants to get married and move away and leave her family at age 16. Okay, Disney, awesome job representing what it looks like to have healthy boundaries and relationships. She is a horrible role model. Can we just, can we finally come to that agreement, right? Like, horrible horrible role model. And here's what I've come to realize, is that a lot of times what we thought was a good thing was actually (laughs) aerial, right? A bad thing. And sometimes something that was bad, that we viewed as bad, is actually a really good thing. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And today I want to talk to you about the word no. No. 
Right? Because when I say the word no, most of us have a negative connotation with that because the way we grew up. You were told no when you were doing something wrong. You were told no when you were out of control, right? You were told no when you were acting like an idiot with your parents. No, right? Like, stop it. Stop. I will beat you when we get home, right? And you don't say that anymore because you get arrested. But anyways, no. And, and here's what I want you to understand. It's our first point, and this could be a whole series today, but it's not. So no isn't bad. No is necessary. No, no isn't a bad thing. It's a necessary thing. And so many times we view no as this negative, just restricting, horrible, mean-hearted thing when actually no can be one of the most beneficial, life-giving things that happens in your life. And how are you at saying no? Probably most of us aren't really good at it. Some of you are experts at it, right? You're just, oh, I said no, 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 right? Like, I'm talking about no to yourself, right? Because saying no to others is one thing, but the hardest person it's going to ever be, that there's going to be to tell no is yourself. Telling yourself no, and here's what I want us to understand. I want us to understand what no isn't. No isn't harsh, Right? No, it isn't harsh. It's not, it doesn't have to be this harsh thing. Most of us grew up, man, my mom, when she said no, she didn't even have to say it. Right? She could say it with her eyes and her mean mouth. Like, she just had a mean, mugging mama. Right? She just could do it. And she just glared at you. And, like, I could be doing my own thing and know that my mom was staring death into me. Right? Like, she didn't have to say no. I no isn't a harsh thing. Can I tell you, no can be a really freeing thing. No isn't a damaging thing. We think, well, I'm just going to hurt people's feelings, and I'm going to hurt my, my spouse, and I'm going to hurt my kids, and, I'm, and it's just going to bring damage, and it's going to hurt people, and it's going to do all these things. But, but, but hear me, no many times can be way more about protecting your spouse, protecting your kids, protecting your schedule, protecting yourself than yes ever is. Also, no isn't always disobedient. Sometimes we think, well, you know, we talk about God's calling and God's purpose, and if you haven't said yes to his calling and his purpose, then you need to come to a place where you say yes. But some of us, we're saying yes to things that God never called us to say yes to in the first place. Right? And we're engaged in things and we're doing things that, that we're so busy, but we're busy doing nothing. Right? You can tell when kids have never been told no in their life, right? Because when you tell them no, they throw a temper tantrum, and you're like, you need, you need some other things happening in your life, right? Right? Can I tell you, I can tell, adults who have, I can tell you adults who have never been told no or never say no because their schedule's out of control. And what I can tell you about you and me, and the truth is this, is that you are either in control of your schedule or your schedule's in control of you. And a lot of you about being able to gain control of your schedule, then no better be present. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says this. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, right? But not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything. You repeat it. I'm allowed to do anything. I can still do it. I can still do it. It's not a sin. It's not a sin, right? That's exactly but not everything is beneficial. I, what I love about this verse is this, is that a lot of things aren't necessarily wrong. 
They just aren't necessary. Right? Let that sink in for just a second. A lot of things aren't necessarily wrong. They're just not, ne- they're just not what you're called to do. And if you are going to do what God has called you to do, then you better say no to unnecessary things so that you can engage and you can run after the necessary things God is calling you to. Because what I can tell you is this, is that whatever you say yes to now, you're saying no to later. Whatever you're saying yes to today, you're saying no to to, to tomorrow, right? So, So it's always fun to be the yes person. Can we agree? Like, it's, it's fun to be the yes parent, and it's not fun to be the no parent. It's fun to be the yes guy. You want, yes, yes. You know, I like being told yes. I like saying yes. Can we go on that vacation? Yes. Can we buy that? Yes. Can I have that candy? Yes. Can I have that car? Yes, right? But our yes makes us sacrifice the significance that no brings. And if you're going to have the significant life that you have dreamed about and you want, man, you got to learn to say no to good so that you can say yes to great. Right? You got to say no to good so that you can say yes to the God things, the great God things that he has for you. Because I can promise you this, is that most of the time, the biggest enemy to great is good. The biggest enemy to the God things are good. They aren't necessarily wrong, right? I can do anything. Yeah, you can do anything, but it's not necessarily the thing you're called to do. And some of us, we've said yes to all of a sudden just impulsive purchases, and when we're saying yes to that, we're saying no to a debt-free life and living life with margin. Right? We say yes to living on what I make, and when you say yes to living on everything that you make, you're saying no, no to being a generous person. You can't do both things. They're, they're, see, it, this, this crosses every aspect and touches every part of our life. And yes can make you more dysfunctional quicker than almost anything else in your life. So what do you do? You learn the art of saying no. Because understand the effect no has. No, when you say no, no brings self-control and focus. No bring self-control and focus. Just like when that haze machine was going off, can I tell you, it went off in the middle of my message about right now. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing hissing, and the haze is coming on. I'm like, either God is doing something really cool, or the haze machine's going nuts, right? And I had to focus, because ADD boy up here, I had to focus on a point talking about focus, Instead of getting distracted by everything, and that's what no does. It brings parameters to your life. It brings self-control to your life. Check this out. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Better to be patient than powerful. You're like, Justin, you already preached about that last week. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Better for you to be in control of yourself than to just be a mighty warrior. Proverbs 25, 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down Walls. This means this, if you have, nothing, if you have no self-control, there's nothing protecting your life. Right? If you have no self-control, if you're not saying no, then there's nothing protecting your life. When I was a youth pastor, we used to take a ski trip every spring break, and we had this uh, student that went with us, Mimo Morielli. And Mimo, um, never been skiing, was like, I'm like, hey, so who else taking ski school? And he's like, I'm not taking ski school. I'm like, Mimo, you need to take ski school. He's like, I'm not taking ski school. I'm like, Mimo, you need to take ski school. And I should have named this 
message the little mermaid and Mimo, because that would have been a lot. Anyways, but um, <clears throat> so Mimo decides he's not going to do it. I'm like, okay, dummy, you're, you're going to, okay. And so he goes up, never been on, on a ski lift, never been skiing. He's like, hey, Justin, I'll see you at the bottom. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're going to see me at the bottom, all right. And so um, he gets up, and he just points his ski straight. And I'm about three lifts behind him, right, because we've got, we've got tons of teenagers on this trip. And I, by the time I get to Mimo, by the time I get to where he's at, what has happened and occurred already is that Mimo took out a whole ski school of children. Like, there's skis everywhere. There have been yards that little kids are laying down, like their little helmets popping up, like looking dazed and confused. Mimo's over here, like his skis are everywhere. The ski instructor, his helmet's off, his skis are everywhere. And I see him pick up Mimo and I'm like yelling at him. And I get up there, I'm like, sir, what's the problem? And they're like, do you know this gentleman? I'm like, no, I don't know this kid at all. Can I help though? Just see, you've got kids everywhere. And he made him take his skis off, and he kept his skis, and he made Mimo walk down the entire mountain. And I'm just skiing by Mimo. I'm like, hey, you want to go to ski school? Hey, Mimo, you want to go to ski school? <laughs> right? And here's the deal. The reason I'm telling you this is that Mimo was out of control. And when you have no self-control, you're not just damaging you, you're damaging others. You're damaging other people who come into contact with your life. Because here's what I can tell you is that nobody enjoys chaos. But when no is not present in your life, neither is self-control. And one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about patience last week. This week it's self-control. Man, I'm hitting it on all cylinders, aren't I? If we don't have no present in our life, then we don't have self-control present in our life. And, And hear me, no brings parameters to your life and to my life. No brings benefit like almost nothing else does. The other thing I would tell you is that no keeps you from being destroyed by distractions. No keeps you from being destroyed by distractions. I'm convinced of this. Most of us in this room, you're not going to be destroyed by all of a sudden you're a kingpin all of a sudden. You're like Tony Soprano from the Sopranos, and you're like this mafia boss, or you're in the mafia, and you're this hitman. Most of us, that's not going to be us. We're not going to be in a Mexican drug cartel. Um, you're, you're, most of us aren't in danger of embezzling money, you know, uh, doing all these things, but, but, but here's what we're in danger. Satan knows if he can't destroy you, the next best thing to do is to distract you. Because if he can distract you from your calling, and if he can just neutralize you from achieving and fulfilling the calling and purpose on your life, then he accomplished what he wanted. And you and I are called to do great things. So if we're going to do great things, then we've got to be able to say no to good things that, that aren't necessarily wrong so that we can accomplish the great things that God has placed a calling and purpose on our life for, right? I love the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you've never read the book of Nehemiah in the New Testament, Old Testament, go back and read it. Like it, That's your homework this week. Go read the book of Nehemiah. You'll thank me for it next week. It is a fantastic book, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And what is happening when Nehemiah um, occurs is that the Persian Empire is now ruling pretty much the known earth. And they have captured Israel, and Israel has been destroyed and decimated years ago 
by the, by, by the Babylonian Empire, and the walls have been torn down, and there's no defenses. And Nehemiah hears about the condition of Jerusalem, and it just breaks him. And this is God's calling on his life. His calling is to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is an assistant to the king. He's got this great life, this luxurious life, but he's broken, and he's sad, and he's upset. And the king says, hey, what's going on with you? You're never sad. You're never upset. What's happening? So Nehemiah tells the king, hey, here's what's happening. Jerusalem is decimated. The walls are broken down. The walls have, you know, there's, there's no defense. There's no help. And so the king authorized, not, not just give him permission, but authorizes Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem, gives him the supply and the equipment to rebuild the walls. So Nehemiah goes back, and he's excited, and this is his purpose, and this is his calling, and he's going to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And when he gets there, there's these three guys. One of them's name is Sanibal, right? And Sanibal hears about Nehemiah coming, and he is not happy, and he is upset. And in fact, it's in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. It talks about that Sanibal, when he hears of Nehemiah's arrival, he isn't happy. And what I will tell you is that when you decide to step into God's calling and purpose for your life, there is always going to be opposition to it. There's going to be critics of, well, you can't do this because you used to be that, right? There's going to be people that are talking about you and haters and rumors of you because this is what you used to You can't do that because that's who you, this is who you used to be. But, but if you're, you are either going to step into your calling or you're going to listen to your haters. You're either going to step into the purpose that God has for you or you're going to keep listening to your critics. But you can't do both. You, you can't, you can't do both. And so Nehemiah doesn't listen. And Nehemiah gets to work and he starts building the walls, even though there's opposition, even though at times they've got to fight, they've got to, there's threats on them. And so they start having a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other and a tool in the other. And they're working and fighting and working and fighting, right? And there's a sermon in there that sometimes you can't just work for your family. You got to fight for your family. You can't just work in your marriage. You got to fight in your marriage. You can't just work to be the person God's called you to be. You got to fight to be the person God's called you to be right? There's a whole message in there that's not today, but I'm going to get to it one day. But in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, it says this, Sanibalt, Tobiah, Gisham, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sanibalt and Gisham sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I love this. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. This is the most fancy no you'll ever hear in your life. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. Nehemiah said this, I've got too much to do to come and meet with you, right? You have been talking about me. You've been criticizing me. You've been threatening me. You've been talking about my kids. I don't know if he talked about his kids, but you've been talking about my kids, right? You've been talking about whether we were going to be able to do this. You've been making fun of me. And now that we're there, you want to meet, but it's not to be for my benefit. It's just to criticize and harm me and do something to me. So I am engaged in too great of a work. I'm engaged in my purpose and my calling to come down off my wall. And some of you, man, you have let the distractions of what people 
people have said. You want to prove everybody wrong that's talked about you, that's talked about your kid, that's criticized you, that's been negative to you, but don't you come off your wall. Don't you come off your purpose. Don't you stop working on your purpose because you've got too great of a thing to do to meet with all the haters, the doubters, and the critics. Man, stay on your wall. Can I tell you what keeps you on your wall and keeps you focused on your calling? Saying no. Nehemiah said, no, no, I'm not coming to meet with you. Right? Some of you, you got people mad at you and you don't even know why. Don't meet with them. If they're too, if they can't tell you why they're even mad, why are you even worried about it? Keep working on your purpose and your calling because God's doing a great work in you and through. You're not going to be perfect, and there's going to be critics along the way, but keep focused on your purpose instead of the rumors. Keep focused on your calling instead of the critics. Keep focused on what he is purpose he wants to bring about and become a reality instead of all the critics and haters that are talking around you and about you. And the only way that you do that is that you learn to say no. The last thing I would tell you is this. Don't just get good at saying no, but get good at being told no. I don't like this one. Don't just get good at saying no. Some of you are like, I love this message until right now. Don't just get good at saying no, but get good at being told no. How many of you like being told no? Same response as we had in first service, not a single hand. Hey, do you want to? No, I don't want to. Well, dang, I just thought, see if you want to go eat Mexican dinner. You asked me that five times in a row, and five nights we've had, right? I'm like, okay, okay, right? Like, so I'm sorry. You know I don't like that place. Okay, sorry, right? How many of you like being, no, no, none of us like being told no. And here's the deal. When we're told no, we get defensive, we get pouty, we get pitiful. We're going to talk about, <laughs> next week, we're going to talk about, are you easily offended? Because <laughs> if your feelings are constantly getting hurt, you, you forget about seeing your resolution, your calling ever becoming a reality. Because you're busy having your feelings hurt instead of fulfilling your purpose. Anyways, um, we'll cover that next week. How are you at being told no? I'm not good at it. I'm not. My kids don't tell me no because they know better, right? Like, don't you tell me no. But, but here's, what I've, here's what I've discovered. The more successful you become, the less you are told no. Just being honest. The older you become, the more well-off you become, the more successful you become. You don't get told no a whole lot. I don't know a lot of doctors that like being told no. I don't know a lot of lawyers that like being told no. I don't know a lot of entrepreneurs that own their own business that like to be told no. But can I tell you, God specializes at telling us no. He does. And it's not because he doesn't like you. It's not because he's got it in for you. It's because quite the opposite. He knows what's best for you. And sometimes what's best for you is being told no. Several years ago, about two, three years ago, we were looking for a new building. And in the process of that, there was a building about a mile away, 51st, right here at Sheridan, used to be the Park Plaza Church of Christ. And, and we had come to what I thought was an agreement. So much 
to the point that we shot a video. We told, some of you were here. I was like, come back next week. We got an awesome announcement for you, right? You guys remember this, some of you. And I'm like, uh, it's like crazy cool announcement, right? And we were pumped, and we thought this was going to happen. And on Saturday afternoon, I got a call from a realtor that that church had sold it to another church for $100,000 more. I was like, awesome. And can I tell you, I was, I was so angry. I was mad. Because I had to get up the next Sunday and be like, hey, um, yeah, so we were going to tell you we were going to buy this building. And I made a whole message into it, you know, when, when life doesn't go your way, because what else are you going to do, right? Like, that's what I kind of do. And so, I, I mean, I was embarrassed because we shot a video. We were ready to tell you all this. We had plans. We were thinking all these things through. But God said, no. I mean, it just, the door slammed, boom. And I mean, other people that were involved, like leadership was like, we could sue them. I'm like, yeah, we'll sue them. Nah, it's not a good idea. Church suing another church. Never. <laughs> what are you suing them for? Because they didn't give us their building, right? But can I tell you, that was the best no foundation church has ever gotten. Because the location we are moving to is so much more visible, and we are able to build a building that looks like us, that meets our needs even better, that's going to be way cheaper than what that building was, and it is going to be a great, why did God tell us no? Because we wanted a good thing when God had a great thing in store for us. And some of you, listen to me, if he did it for Foundation Church, he will do it for you. You want a good thing, but God said, well, why would God say no to that relationship? Why would God say no to that new job? Why would God say no to that opportunity? Why did it work out? Because he's got something great for you. And when it doesn't go your way, and when you don't get your way, you've still got to trust his. Right? Because it's easy to trust why he's saying yes. But how do you do when he says no? David, I need to stop. David, King David, wanted to build a tabernacle, tabernacle for, for the Lord, sanctuary for the Lord, because he had built a castle. He's like, Lord, now I've got this castle, and I haven't even built a house of worship for you. How, how, how could I not do this? And he goes before the Lord and like, lays out all those plans, and the Lord says this, no, that's not for you to do. That's for your son Solomon to do. That's not your job. And David wants to do something nice. Why would God say No. And David could have gotten mad. I never get my way. You know, like, he could have gotten upset. It always works out for other people. But do you know what David did instead? He started getting all the articles to build the tabernacle that his son would need. He started setting his son up for success. He responded to a no in a healthy, appropriate, mature way. And how you respond to no in this season greatly determines how the next season goes. Because if you're busy pouting with your head in the sand, you're going to miss the moment that God invites you to say yes and that he says yes to the opportunity that he's bringing your way. So we can't just get good at saying no, but get good at being told no. And God uses other people sometimes to tell you no. Don't get mad at them. Right? They're just, when they say no, it's because they're trying to fulfill their purpose. And here's the truth. I get really good at this in seasons, and I get really bad at this in seasons. And I'm in a season right now, I'm pretty good at saying no. 
because I just got so many things going right now. And I want to invite you, if your life seems out of control, if life seems to be happening to you instead of you happening to life, if you're busy but it doesn't really amount to you doing anything, chances are your life's out of control. And there's no self-control because there's no no present in your life. And if your resolution, if your calling is going to become a reality, hear me, learn to be good at saying no and learn to get good at being told no because he wants what's best for you. And what's best for you is self-control and focus to be a part of your life so that you're focusing on what he's called you to do so that you can live a life that's so big and so great that it points others to him. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today. And I, God, this is one of those messages that we have viewed no as a negative thing when really it's a good thing. Lord, I pray that we would do an honest evaluation today of our hearts, of our lives, of where we've missed it. Some of us, we're running around doing everything for everyone, but Lord, we're not called to do everything for everyone. Lord, let us realize, it just takes the weight off when we realize we're not called to do everything. Everything is permissible. I can do everything, but not everything's beneficial. Not everything is necessary. Not everything's wrong, but not everything is necessary. So, Lord, I pray today that you would help us focus into what you are calling us to do. And when we know it, we would stay focused on it. And we would be willing to say no to good things, even though there's nothing wrong with them, so that we can just say yes to the great God things. That we would learn that no helps bring focus and self-control to our life so that our life isn't running out of control. And we're not exhausted. And we're not hurting those around us because our schedule is absolutely out of control. And our life is out of control. But Lord, there's a no constant and persistent in our life that's helping pump the brakes instead of hitting the gas. Because Lord, there's some of us today, we need the brakes hit in our life instead of the gas to be pumped. So, Lord, I pray for all those that are tired, all those that are weary, all those that are worn down today. That we would refocus once again on not what everybody else expects of us, but what are you wanting from us? And let us run unapologetically after that. Lord, for those of us that are here today and we're being told, no, we're in a season of just doors being closed. Don't let us pout. Don't let us get angry. Don't let us be pitiful. But let us praise in the midst of being told no. Let us be powerful in the midst of our waiting. Because as we talked about last week, how we wait matters. So move in us and let us live our life like you would have us live it. Because when we live our life the way you intended, it's a better way to live. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed today if you're here. You say, Justin, I'm here, but I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I mean, we want to invite you to change that. Maybe you're here in this place, and you say, Justin, I'm here, 
And man, I just need to recommit my life to the Lord. Because where I'm, where I'm at, it's not where I should be. And you know this. And you protecting it and you thinking that it's a secret isn't helping you get better, right? What helps you get better is by you getting real in this moment. And today, if you've just drifted away from the Lord and you need to recommit your life, when I count to three, all I want you to do is raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer to change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say, Justin, that's me. Yeah. Yep. Is there anyone else you join these three hands that are lifted today? You just say, Justin, that's me today. And man, there's a change that needs to happen in my life because where I'm at, man, it's not where I know I should be. Is there anyone else, before we go any further in service today, you just say, Justin, that's me. Justin, that's me. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, whether you're here in this place or you're watching online, I would invite you to repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it. And I turn to the life you have for me. And I grab hold of that life. And I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.